Old Testament reading, which serves the text for our sermon this morning, comes from the book of Deuteronomy, the sixth chapter, beginning at the fourth verse. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children, and shall talk of them when you sit in your house, and when you walk by the way, and when you lie down, and when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. And when the Lord your God brings you into the land that he swore to your fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, to give you, with great and good cities that you did not build, and houses full of all good things that you did not fill, and cisterns that you did not dig, and vineyards and olive trees that you did not plant. And when you eat and are full, then take care, lest you forget the Lord, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. It is the Lord your God you shall fear, him you shall serve, and by his name you shall swear. You shall not go after other gods, the gods of the peoples who are around you. For the Lord your God in your midst is a jealous God, lest the anger of the Lord your God be kindled against you, and he destroy you from off the face of the earth. This is the word of the Lord. The second reading comes from the Acts of the Apostles, the second chapter. Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart, and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you and for your children, and for all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. And with many other words he bore witness, and continued to exhort them, saying, Save yourselves from this crooked generation. So those who received his word were baptized. And there were added that day about 3,000 souls. And this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. And the Holy Gospel comes to us according to St. Luke, the 18th chapter. Now they were bringing even infants to Jesus that he might touch them. And when the disciples saw it, they rebuked them. But Jesus called them to him, saying, Let the children come to me, and do not hinder them, for to such belongs the kingdom of God. Truly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. And this is the gospel of our Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father, and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, today we are celebrating Rally Day. It's a big shindig that we have planned. We've got food, we've got games, we're... Outdoors, we are proclaiming to the entire community the joy that we have as we begin another year of Christian education here at Trinity. And that brings up the question, because, let's face it, we've got a good Sunday school, don't we? But what makes a good Sunday school? When you think of a good Sunday school, a lot of people are going to say, well, it's going to have lots of kids. We've got that, don't we? It's got kids who are smiling and laughing, enjoying their time together instead of dragging their feet and saying, Aw, do I have to go? And we usually have that. <laughs> you think of kind, 
influential teachers, men and women that really made an impact on us. The kind of people that years down the road you still look back and say, that's the person that really showed me what Jesus meant in my life. That's the person who really helped me in my journey. And we certainly have that. You think of fun songs, well, we've got those in spades. You think of activities and crafts. All these things we have. And we have a good Sunday school. But these things on their own, those actually don't make the Sunday school good. In fact, you could have every one of those things and you could wind up with a terrible Sunday school if you leave out one key ingredient. And that ingredient is God's Word. You can have all the fun that you want. You can have all the laughter, all the activities. And from the outside, your Sunday school might seem great. Your Sunday school might be the kind that draws people in and they say, Oh, they're so alive and it's just wonderful to see the kids having so much fun. But if you don't have the Holy Word of God at its center, then that Sunday school is nothing but entertaining babysitting for about an hour. If we aren't teaching our children what God has said to us, if we're not equipping them with the eternal truths of Holy Scripture, then we are failing in our duties as a church, as a Sunday school, as Christian educators. Now, some people would argue, oh, these are just little kids. What does it matter? They can't understand God's Word. They don't get all the intricacies of it. They don't get what all the doctrine is and all the specifications. And so, why should we bother? Well, we bother because God actually has something to say about that especially in our readings today. In the Old Testament, as Moses speaks to the people of Israel before they enter into the Promised Land, he says, These words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children. Now, does that sound like, well, they're not going to get it, so don't bother with it? It's not just a matter of you know giving lip service to the faith. Teach them diligently to your children. Children very young. Children who may not get all of it. But that's how we grow. That's how we learn. That is how the faith is worked within us. By speaking God's word. By teaching it to our children. And then in the gospel reading, the disciples are turning away the children and infants. They're like, come on guys, this is Jesus. He doesn't have time for little kids. He's got bigger things to do. He's got miracles to perform. He's got demons to drive out. Don't waste his time with the little babies. And what does Jesus do? He doesn't just say, no guys, it's okay, they can come. Jesus rebukes the disciples for that kind of attitude. He sternly tells them, don't you dare keep these kids away from me. It's almost like it's important because it is. Jesus says, let the children come to me and do not hinder them, for to such belongs the kingdom of God. Truly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. Now, like I said before, he says here, receive it like a child, not while being a child. 
He doesn't mean that if you came to the Christian faith after childhood, then, well, too bad for you. But he means a childlike faith. A faith that believes what they are told. A faith that trusts their Heavenly Father even when they can't fully understand it. That's the picture of faith. Tell a child anything and they will believe it when they trust you. That's what we are to have with our Heavenly Father. Because He tells us some pretty amazing things in His Word. He tells us that the things that we love to do are sinful and wrong and dangerous. And our instinct is to say, no, that can't be because I like to do these things and they feel good and everybody around me says they're good. But we trust our Heavenly Father, that He has our best interest in mind. We trust Him with a childlike faith that says, even though I don't get it, even though I don't even agree with it necessarily, I believe it and I obey it. Jesus says, don't hinder the children. Let them come to me because that childlike faith is what we are called to have. He says that children are a prime example of faith and that it's foolish to say that they don't need or deserve God's word. Some people say, well, children are by nature good and holy and perfect, and so they don't need to be told about sin. Those people, I'm afraid, have never seen real children in life. Because children don't have to be taught to be selfish. They don't have to be taught to be angry. They don't have to be taught to be rude. They have to be taught how to be good and polite and to do the right thing. Doing the wrong thing comes naturally. And so they too are by nature sinful and unclean. They too are in need of God's holy word. And who are we to keep that from them? And so our Sunday school here at Trinity, it's not just fun and games. It is fun and games that are rooted in God's holy word. It's all the activities, all the songs, all the joy and fellowship that they have filled to the brim with God's holy word that gives us what we need and can get nowhere else. It is God's law that convicts us of our sin, even little children, because they too are sinners. But it's not just His law. Sunday school is not just a way of telling kids how to behave better. It's not just a big stick to beat them over the head and say, now you better do this or God will be very angry at you. If that's all that God's Word gave us, what would be the point of teaching us? What would be the point of teaching kids, adults, or anyone? Because we can't do it well enough. And so we don't just speak God's law. We don't just turn Sunday school into this moralistic teaching and say, this will make your children better. We also proclaim the gospel. That glorious message of Jesus Christ that assures us that our sins are forgiven. That glorious and unbelievable miracle that God himself came to us in the flesh to take away the guilt of our sin when we had nothing to offer in return. That even children need and receive the forgiveness, life, and salvation bought by the cross and empty tomb of Jesus Christ. That's at the core of absolutely everything that we do in Sunday school. Every lesson Every song, every prayer, every activity, every single sticker sheet is the law and the gospel of our Lord. 
It is His holy word proclaiming the good news of forgiveness to the children of our congregation and our community. We take God's word seriously and we keep it front and center. We don't try to hide it and sneak it in like putting broccoli in a cheesy casserole and saying, oh, they'll get a little bit, but they won't realize it. No, we are unashamed about it. We rejoice in God's word and we teach our youth to do so as well. To revel in the fact that the creator of the universe has given us his word. And by that word alone, we are saved. In fact, it's not even just in Sunday school that we do this. And it's not just our youth. In catechism classes for both youth and adults, we keep God's word front and center, teaching them what we believe and teach and why we do so, because it comes from God himself. Our Bible studies, they're not just social times to eat awesome snacks, but they are times to dig deeper into God's word and see how it impacts each of our lives. We're starting adult Sunday school this year to try something new so that parents have an opportunity to be in God's Word at the same time that their children are, to learn just as their children are, to show the children that this is important to them as well. In our divine services, in our hymns, in our prayers, at our lock-ins, everything that we do at Trinity, it is absolutely dripping with God's Word. We are unashamed of the fact that we believe Scripture, that we hold it to be the full and inerrant Word of God, no matter how much the world might protest. And the glorious thing is we don't keep it in church either. We don't just keep it within the walls of the church. And I'm not talking about just when we every now and then meet down here at the park and turn the speakers up a little louder so the people around us can hear as well. As Bible-believing Christians... We realize how important it is to have that Word of God front and center in our lives, always. As God tells us through Moses in the Old Testament reading, These words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children. And he's not talking about just in Sunday school and catechism class, and he's not talking just to pastors. He is talking to all people. He says, you shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. In other words, God commands his people, let those precious holy words of God fill every aspect of your life. Don't just use God's word for one hour, hopefully less, on Sunday morning. Let it fill your lives. Receive the glorious blessings that he gives as his word guides and guards you. What could be better to keep front and center and always in your life than God's word of forgiveness, life, and salvation? Dwell on that word. Let it lead you through this world of pitfalls and snares and death and darkness and all the sinful temptations of this world. Let that word fill your life and overflow into the lives of those around you so that they too can know the peace of Jesus Christ and his cross and empty tomb. Teach that word diligently to your children and your children's children helping your family grow in the faith instead of leaving them to the satanic culture that fills their lives. 
Treat that word with respect and dignity and purpose so that they grow up doing so as well. So that they know it is something that is important and needs to be important. Treasure that word. Dig into it every chance you get so that you yourself grow in the faith and wisdom and understanding that the Holy Spirit brings through it. Rejoice in the peace that that word brings you in times of sorrow and hardship and in times of joy and celebration. Know that the word of God will never fail for it is eternal. It is wonderful. It is glorious. It is the only place where eternal life lies. Here at Trinity, we have lots of fun in our Sunday school, in our adult Sunday school and catechism classes, Bible studies, divine services. We like to laugh and sing joyful songs and enjoy our time together, even though we're Lutheran. And as we do so, we realize it's not just a social thing. It's not just a time to hang out. It is a time that is blessed by the true presence of the one true and triune God, as the Holy Spirit speaks to us through His infallible, inerrant Word. And even as that Word convicts us of our sin, even as it shows us that we are indeed poor, miserable sinners, we still keep that Word of God front and center and always, because that same Word also assures us that we are forgiven sinners. That same word fills our lives with peace and joy, comfort and strength. That glorious word of God doesn't just give us hope, it gives us absolute certainty of everlasting life in heaven. And so it is not a burden to keep it front and center, but it is a joy to keep it always in everything that we do, in church, in every part of our lives, in all that we do, think and say. Because in that word we have been given the glorious gospel of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. That by His cross alone, by His empty tomb alone, you are forgiven of every one of your sins. And eternal life in heaven is yours. To God alone be all glory, now and forever. Amen.